Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Talking About podcast. Uh, we're doing a new format here on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, and any podcast that takes place on a game day, we're going to be doing a post-game pod. So I am joined by Liberty Ballers lead voice, Dave Early. Um, this is coming on the heels of the Sixers' 112-108 loss to Detroit. Many players didn't play. It's the, the outcome is not important. There were some good things that we can talk about from the game, which, which we will. But uh, first, Dave, thank you for joining me on the pod. Thank you. Thank you for having me. The outcome would have been important if they'd won. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the beauty of preseason. If, if they win, <laughs> it's an indicator of how great the season is going to go. And if they lose, it, 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 it never mattered in the first Worthless. place. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, let's dive in. Um, obviously, three and a half starters didn't participate tonight, um, depending on how you feel about whether Tyrese Maxey will be a starter, either whether Ben Simmons is going to retake the court and you know, assume his starting role from the previous seasons or whether uh, Doc Rivers will continue in the insanity of starting Shake Milton over Tyrese. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, I hear a laugh there. I guess we could start there. What, what, what are your thoughts on the, the Shake Tyrese um, combination of point guards? And do you think there's any validity in the, hey, there's a bunch of high usage guys in the starting lineup, so Shake's a better fit off ball and, and let Tyrese run the show with the second group. Um, what are your thoughts on on how that kind of unfolded this preseason? I think, yeah, I think it was our Paul Hudrick who might have had the quote, Doc was basically asked, how would he fill in for Ben Simmons? And he, and he basically just said, like, you can do the math. And the math that we did was, okay, obviously we all want to see Max and we probably will, but you know that Doc loves Shake and he always has. Shake dropped like 39 on Doc's Clippers. And I think that's where all the love affair was born. Um, yeah. And, it, and Shake, go ahead. I was just going to say, it reminds me of like in baseball when a guy has, like a pitcher has a really good game against somebody. Like whenever that guy goes on the market, they're, absolutely like oh the, i like that that guy's a great player we should actually go after him there's there's just such a a small sample bias that doc has with shake just based on that one game it seems like uh it, it's just it's really funny um it, and it would be funnier if it wasn't potentially complicating tyrese maxi getting more minutes he he was like <laughs> doc was like one for two on random shake insertions against atlanta i remember in the second half of game two where we started getting really nervous, we were going to go down 0-2. And he put Shake in, and Shake was great. Yeah, he he turned that around. Yeah, absolutely. He did turn that around and, and turn the whole series around, and it was amazing. He scored bucket after bucket. But then he stuck him in cold in game seven, and it didn't work out. And Maybe that's not Shake's <laughs> fault. It's hard to come in without a rhythm. But uh, Doc can be a little bit random with Shake. You know, like, he's sort of a gun, gun to my head. I trust Shake guy, and... I do, I do assume we're going to see a whole bunch of him if Ben's not in the lineup. Yeah, so we're going to talk a lot more about Ben. Obvious, uh, obviously, the Ramona Shelburne uh, piece came out earlier today. and Oh, I didn't see that. What <laughs> so, but just so the listeners know, we're not, we're not glossing over that. We're going to do a full Ben segment uh, after we finish talking about the preseason and recapping some of the younger guys and everything. So stay tuned for that. But uh, yeah, of course, Ben could be just back in the lineup. And then I guess we'll see how much 
Maxi, Shake, and Isaiah Joe potentially can kind of fight for those last minutes um, at the end of the card rotation. It's, that, that would be interesting if, if Ben goes back to just assuming 34 minutes a game. Um, but yeah, talk, we, you know, we brought Shake up. So he had kind of a up and down preseason. I don't, what were your thoughts on how he, he performed these past I four I mean, games? I was not impressed in that, you know, he didn't look like, okay, he took a leap this summer. Kind of looked like the same guy to me. He can hit, he can hit a, a nice one-handed lob and he hit Drummond on one, I think at some point. Uh, he used to do that with Ben occasionally, um, maybe t- maybe Dwight Howard last year also. So he's got that in his arsenal where he can kind of get into the paint and then slow down a lot and make a good decision. Uh, whereas Tyrese Maxey, he's got handle and he gets into the paint. He's kind of making a, a really quick decision. I think Shake is more cerebral to his game and it just adds a different element. Um, on the whole, I wasn't impressed. I think – he's kind of like a veteran at this point and he's, he's looking like he is what he is. I don't know. What do you think? To me, it was just, is he a guy that can be a lead ball handler? And I haven't seen any indications of that the case. So if he's going to play off ball, they have a guy who is much better in that role in Isaiah Joe. And Mm -hmm. that that can be the next guy we kind of discussed, but Joe, Joe shot 16, 27, from behind the arc in the preseason he just he has a quick trigger really quick release he can shoot it from like 28 29 feet no problem so he he provides great floor gravity for you um spacing the floor around joel or whoever else you you want out there and uh he he also has looked really great defensively like making a lot of you know smart plays to uh to defend his man coming off pick and rolls and everything he we saw last year he's He's a, a really adept guy at taking charges, um, and he looks to be improved in uh, his overall court awareness on that side of the court. Um, and he's he, he's got pretty good lateral mobility, and I, I just like, you know, the only knock against him is he's, he's a slim guy. He doesn't have a, a, a big, strong frame, but, he you know, he's quick, and he knows what he's doing. Um, so if you're, you're saying, like, hey, hey, if Ben's playing, Maxie's absolutely has to be the backup point. So there's no real role for shake. Um, but Joe has a role as, as an off ball guy that can, you know, light it up and help you space the floor and also play uh, good defense. So he, he is all the makings of a really good three and D wing in my mind. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you kind of feel similarly. I mean, it's been nothing but plaudits th- thrown this Joe's way this, this preseason. I mean, he, he absolutely stole the show in preseason. You know, he, uh, he was by far the, the biggest and best surprise to me. Uh, we, you, know, you knew that he could shoot, and his shot is beautiful. It's such a high-arcing shot. It's, it's effortless, and his mechanics are basically flawless. But everything else he did, too, I was, I was really impressed. Like, I, I wrote in a, a post – couple days ago like i had to squint to double check his number because i was like i didn't know isaiah joe had handles like that and then the next play it was like i didn't know that he could turn the corner on a screen and and throw this sort of like wraparound pass to the pocket to hit drummond in motion uh either so everything and then like you said the charges just sort of being rangy and a pest on defense um he looks like an nba player straight up I, i don't know what the ceiling is for him 
in year two, but he's, he definitely looks like he's going to be a rotation player because anyone who could shoot like that, the rest is gravy at this point. Yeah, I mean, it, it dates back to the summer league when we saw him whip out that, that behind the back pass to the putter going down the lane. And that was kind of the, the initial eye opener of like, oh, Isaiah Joe has a, a few tricks in his bag that we didn't know about. Um, and it, he's just continued to build upon that. And yeah, everything, everything he's done has been great. And it would honestly be criminal if he didn't have a rotation spot. So I don't, <laughs> it would be criminal. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Korkmaz, like Korkmaz recently, a couple of years ago, carved out a role just by coming in and hitting threes and then pleasantly surprising you with this or with that. And, you know, Joe might take that same road. Yeah. If, if Ben is back, I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure where the Joe minutes come from, I guess, like Korkmaz and you just kind of, if, if one guy has it going, you, you just leave him in. And if he doesn't, you, you try the other guy, just kind of like try to go with a hot hand approach for your, your bench flamethrower. Um, but it, do, do you feel like there's an obvious place for him to slot in if, if, if Ben is back and playing 30 plus minutes a game? Yeah. So I, the, the high arching answer for me is yes. Any, anyone who can shoot can play with Ben. And if some, if you can run the floor, you can play with Ben too. So even though Shaq Harrison can't shoot, he's just, a, he's a maniac, you know, playing defense and creating turnovers. I think there's a good chance that he could make this team uh, and then represent another Matisse Seibel-esque. That's how he looked in the preseason to me. He, looked, he was doing a lot of Seibel-esque stuff. Um, so the question then is, where is Joe getting his minutes from? Who's not playing as much? And I think, I think Shake would be in danger there for sure. Um, I think yeah. Maxi could lose some minutes to Joe the way Joe was playing. Um, you know, Maxie's going to have this learning curve if Ben is not in where he's going to have to take over point guard. And that's really, really hard. He might not be ready for that. But if he gets to play more of a combo guard, then he's just going to, you know, be fun. So that's that's the huge question that it's tough to answer at this point. But if Ben is in, uh, I think you want to get a lot of Maxie and a lot of Joe. Yeah, Shake uh, was always, I mean, even before been reported back to and arrived back in Philadelphia. Shake was the obvious answer for me. Like Joe could get that 10th man spot from shake. Um, but now, yeah, I, I don't know if Ben's back in the mix. Um, I, I guess that's a good point that he, he could take some of Maxi's minutes cause you don't need Maxi for as a, as an off ball combo guard with Ben as much. So maybe, maybe Joe is a better fit in that role. Like Maxi would play Just the straight up catch and shoot and, and size on the wing. Exactly. Yeah. Like Maxi would be the backup point, which gets you 16 or so minutes a game. Um, but then he, he might not be getting upwards of like 25, 28 minutes. Like we might've thought if Ben wasn't around and, and that extra, you know, eight to 10 minutes could go to Joe. So yeah, that, that's an interesting thought. I hadn't, I hadn't really considered that. Um, so yeah, I think it's like, they're both going to get theirs, but if, if what Brett Brown would call a quiet tournament, was taking place it would be like for who gets the extra pivotal five minutes between the two of them oh um, so when when does james Dennis arrive is is he is <laughs> he coming time, man is he coming down on a ladder like from the rafters and just set and just hey i'm in this quiet tournament too anytime <laughs> just let let him let him audition yeah uh all right so yeah we uh 
Shaq Harrison, uh, you, you mentioned him briefly. I, I do feel like he'll be with, uh, if nothing else, he'll be with Delaware. He did show, uh, should show some skills. I don't know if there's enough there offensively as like a, a shooter slash playmaker type to, to have him. He's stick hurting around. there for sure. Yeah. But he's like a savant defensively and in transition. So. Yeah. I think there, there could be something there down the road maybe. So I'm sure they'll work that out uh, and see if they can find a diamond in the rough with, with the blue coats. Um, so, uh, I, so let's move to the front court, I guess. And, they made two kind of one-to-one what we thought replacements in the offseason with George Nyang coming in for Mike Scott and Andre Drummond uh, replacing the re- departed Dwight Howard, who left for Los Angeles in free agency. Uh, and both of those guys have been super pleasant surprises. Um, Andre Drummond came in, and his passing ability has really been a nice little salve for some of the playmaking concerns that the, the second unit had previously. Mm-hmm. Um, b- before it was just like they had to go to the Toby and bench lineups and, and it was just Toby doing ISOs all the time. And it, it, it was nothing, none of it worked really. But now you have Drummond who adds a little bit of a, Hey, you can stick him in the high post and he's making these great uh, backdoor passes to, to cutters. Um, and, th- and that's the source of offense. He's a, a pretty decent post guy where you know, if you absolutely need to with the shot clock running down, you can give it to him with eight seconds on the shot clock on the block. And it's not the worst option in the world. It's, you know, he has some skills in that area. And uh, so he's just added a dimension besides the rebounding uh, rim protection stuff that he kind of replaced Dwight Howard in those areas. And you're like, oh, well, we know he'll bring those things to the table. He's on a minimum contract. It's fine. But he had these these added benefits that I don't think we really considered enough and um, I think that was that was really an underestimated signing um, coming in to this season, and I think he's going to add a lot that we we hadn't really considered. Um, are are you as optimistic about about Drummond as I seem to be? Yeah, I think we I co- completely agree with you, and I think you made a lot of good points. I think we underrate what an upgrade he is over Dwight. Uh, I know they sort of like played musical chairs with the Lakers. Um, but Drummond is, is a big upgrade over Dwight, and he has got a lot more skills than the, the version of Dwight that we got last year. Uh, I think we were tough on him. We at Liberty Ballers, like, you know, we made some cracks. I know Steve Lippman had, like, a viral tweet, and I, I made one of, this, of a similar thing, basically making fun of Daryl Morey. said, we want bigs who can either shoot threes or switch on D. And then we got Drummond, and we were thinking, like, okay, well, he doesn't fit with Ben Simmons. So he came in in a, in a way in an unfair spot because the fans were like, you don't fit here. Um, but he does bring a lot to the table and backing up Joel Embiid, it's tremendous value signing. It's already been fun to see the, the ball skills he has. Not that I'm like have expectations through the roof, but he looks big. And for a guy that big, he looks agile and quick and he's got some ball skills for sure. Seven of eight from the free throw line the other night. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was, I, I don't know if, that small sample size will hold out, but it, it was <laughs> nice to see. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, be- between, yeah, you mentioned the 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 crack about how Daryl said he he wanted certain characteristics, and those were the, the the most important ones. And then obviously Drummond, those aren't the things you think of with him. Uh, between that and the whole real estate in <laughs> his head that Joel Embiid has, like those, oh, it, it was yeah. it, 
it was just more of like a a humorous signing than like a purely basketball analytical thing when it happened. I, I think people were just so caught up in all that, that whole side of it, the, uh, the getting the jokes off side of it that no one really considered like, oh, this is actually could be really good for the team. Um, and, and I think we, and, we, and then now you see the preseason, you're like, this, this is no joke. Doc is going to play this man. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Drummond is between the fact that you need a backup for Joel Embiid and the fact that Joel Embiid typically misses a quarter of the season, whether it's for injury or load management or whatever else, like Drummond's going to play a big role with this team this year. And you, you saw it in the preseason finale uh, earlier tonight when Embiid sits for rest and Drummond is in there and he's the kind of a central hub of the offense. And, you know, obviously other starters will be in there, but if Embiid's not playing, it's not like we're suddenly going to become a Seth Curry centric offense. Uh, So you're still going to need Drummond to do a lot um, when he's out on the court. And, you know, it looks like he's up to the task. I mean, we'll see against a regular season competition where everyone's trying and starters are playing 30 to 35 minutes, but uh, yeah, it's looked good so far. And um, another guy that's looked good has been George Niang who uh, people have made this point. Like if, if they had Niang instead of Scott last year in the playoffs, like how, how much different that could have been because not only is he, you know, still a 40% shooter and he has a super quick trigger and that's all great. But I, I've really been impressed with like his ball handling and his passing and he, he makes smart cuts off the ball. Um, just a lot of good offensive package that I, I didn't really know coming in. I, I mean, I, I didn't scout a lot of jazz games They're you know, they're in uh, two time zones away from me and he, he played off the bench for the most part. Like I, I hadn't seen a lot of Niang film, um, but I, I really like what I've seen from him. Um, and, and again, I, I, did, I guess I'll just ask you, Dave, are, are you also as optimistic about the Niang experience as I've been? Yeah, he came on my radar because I did this sort of like criteria search last year. I was looking for guys who, you know, hit at least, I forget what the number, like 38 and a half percent on catch and shoot threes. And I wanted them to have like, a serviceable like at the rim defense protection because i was wondering like can the sixers find anyone to upgrade over mike scott they ended up with tolliver and it gave doc that <laughs> hilarious quote like when do you want me to play tolliver you want me to bench tobias <laughs> we're all like oh bench mike scott yeah <laughs> or bench dwight um but that's how that's how i you know because like you said I, I didn't get to watch him a lot in utah either and he wasn't a a big part of the rotation once the playoffs rolled around or at least the second round i think um he looks a little bit smaller in when I watch him routinely now than I expected. And he looks faster. So he's not like the composition of the player I, I was sort of expecting. Um, yeah. I was kind he, of thinking like a Ryan Anderson type, I guess, just yeah. like, like a slow footed big man who can make spot up threes really well. And that's about it. Um, and that's not him at all. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that's a good point you brought up Ryan. Cause Daryl might say it was important to bring in Ryan one off season with, with Eric Gordon and really turn around the Rockets. And we ended up selling Chris Paul and wanting to come here and we pay Ryan $20 million. The Sixers are paying George like nothing. So if he can arbitrage Ryan Anderson, um, that would be amazing. And and like you said, he might be a little more fleet footed too. 
play fast in certain lineups because we talked uh, very positively about Drummond, but the elephant in the room is if Ben is around, they're not going to work that well together, no matter how good of a passer Drummond is. Uh, and that's when you would want to surround Ben with shooting. And you might need to sell that to Ben if you want him to play, which I assume they do. We can get to that later. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I'm a little <laughs> skeptical about, you know, they, they've talked about, well, you can put Tobias, Ben, and Niang together in a front court and you're playing small. And I, I think offensively that would work, but it's the same defensive liabilities you've had with like a Ben as five situation be, that people people who don't watch the Sixers say, well, we can just play Simmons as a small ball five. It's like, yeah, except he doesn't offer any rim protection whatsoever. Like he's one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, but even though he's 6'10", 6'11", he's not a rim protector. And I, I don't think, I mean, from what I've seen, that's not Niang's role either. So I just don't know how much, how viable that would really be. I'm sure you could use that as like a curveball lineup for you know, five minutes or so every, every once in a while. But I, I don't think that could be like the go-to second unit. Uh, I, I don't know. Do you, do you feel differently? I think I feel differently in that I'm open to things not being static, not being necessarily static. I think, um, yeah, maybe things have not worked out with, with Ben at the five, but maybe it's not essential to have him actually guard the five. He's probably going to be guarding like the three, like a Durant or a Harden either way. So you might not be asking him to necessarily be the rim protector. If he were, I'm in. I, I watched the playoffs last year, and I saw a lot of guys who I would have thought were softer defenders than Ben provide adequate, just like okay for a bench unit rim protection. Like Bobby Portis had some, Terrence Mann for sure, Nick Batum. And a lot of it wasn't just what they bring as a rim protector. You would never have thought of Nick Batum as this terrific shot blocker. But it was coaching, you know, it was, they had a switchable lineup and he could be the last line of defense and just step in there. Um, we we didn't get to see that. I know we podcasted ad nauseum. I know the, the dudes at The Athletic podcasted ad nauseum about trying some of these more switch heavy lineups. What if you just put in Matisse, Ben, Danny Green, you know, Tobias, and I don't know who else, another shooter. And just see what it looked like to switch. George Hill represented that in theory. Maybe he wasn't the guy for that. I don't know. But uh, if Ben is around, I would I would want to try some of that to see. You know, maybe they're not going to be this great defensive team and protect the rim, but maybe they don't have to be awful. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I we did see like the Clippers using Nick Batum as a small ball five. So mm-hmm. I guess in certain matchups, it, it if there's not like the elite driver that can really make you pay. Like if you're not going up against it, like a Trey young or a James Harden that can just get into the paint at will and, right. and where you absolutely need to have that, that guy to deter them once they enter the paint, um, then maybe you can get away with it a little, a little better. And you know, all the offense. Unfortunately, Harden is here. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, some of the, it, the teams they would have to play in the playoffs would have either James Harden or Trey young or <laughs> so maybe, well, maybe, maybe they wouldn't have Kyrie. Hey, <laughs> yeah. So, so when Harden's on the bench, um, they don't have Kyrie. So yeah, maybe that could work. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I guess you, you've talked me into it a little bit more than I was previously. Um, but yeah, either way, Niang's still a great addition and his, uh, his ability to be an upgrade from the Mike Scott, backup four role from last year is definitely going to be a, 
uh, pay pay dividends for the team this this season. Um, so yeah, really good job by Daryl. You know, under the radar, getting getting Niang and Drummond. They weren't like largely heralded signings over in the off season, but I, I think they are going to be meaningful upgrades for the team. Um, I guess the only other guy that we can kind of talk about, you know, kind of a wild card is Paul Reed. Um, I was just going to say that this all leads us to Paul Reed, who could have been that rim protector and maybe shoot a corner three. Yes. So big, big summer league for Paul Reed. He had the, the 2020 game second, second ever in summer league history. Uh, I, I feel like Doc's come around on giving him some, some run at the five. Um, I, I kind of view him as the fifth big right now, where, whereas if uh, there's an injury or there's a, a rest game for any of Tobias Niang, Embiid, or um, Andre Drummond, he'll he'll slot in, in in that that backup role as kind of that swing fifth big man. Um, I I feel like he's definitely ahead of Charles Bassey in the rotation. So Bassey hit a three tonight. Are you sure you <laughs> want to make that claim? <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah I could say that now and then. Uh, the fifth game of the season when Embiid has some knee soreness and sits and. Charles Bassey plays 15 minutes behind Andre Drummond. I could be whistling a different tune, <laughs> I guess. But uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, we all love Paul Reed. He's a you know social media darling, and when he's gotten chances, he's often looked good. Um, I feel like he performed pretty well in the preseason. He averaged over a steal and over a block per game. Uh, obviously, it was just three games that he participated in, but. Uh, yeah, I feel like he's he's concentrating on just attacking the glass like a madman. He's he he's really disruptive defensively. I think he just needs to hone his rotations a little bit and play a little more disciplined on that end. Which you know he's still very young. That that should come with time. But yeah, I mean, yeah, if he can if he can hit thirty five percent from three or whatever, I I feel like that's a no brainer. Um, do you think that comes sooner rather than later? Thirty five percent is tough. Like. So a lot of stretch bigs that we consider stretch bigs can't do that. Like Brooke Lopez will go way under that one year. Um, so right. I'll, I'll say, all right, a, a willing, a willing 32% then. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that would be amazing. Like that would get, that would get him a, a good money deal in the NBA. Um, and that would change the Sixers season trajectory if they had, if they had Simmons around, cause they could use those two together. Um, Paul Reed is very exciting, theoretically. <laughs> um, I don't know that Doc's going to trust him to, to play him to, and give him those opportunities that he would absolutely need to develop. Um, but I, I would like to see it, especially in the early going, and even more so if Ben's not in the lineup, because then what's you know what do you have to lose? Yeah, I you just saying that kind of I, I hadn't really thought about it, but but Reed would be the 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 rare piece that would fit awfully nicely next to Simmons um in that he, well, yeah. would, he would be that smaller big who can still run the floor really well so you, you would love to have him in, running with Simmons in transition he can help space the floor a little bit and he does provide rim protection whereas you know Niang doesn't really provide that but as much or at all really but Reed could be that guy so he could be like uh, a Serge Ibaka type where he just provides all those things that you need. If you're going to play um, a guy like Simmons, who 
you, you want to slot at the five in some small ball lineups, but he's not offering that rim protection and you need whoever pairs with him to be offering some spacing because he's not a guy that, you know, shoots from the outside. Uh, so yeah, I, Good point. I, yeah. I, I, I hadn't even considered like a Reed Simmons pairing that hadn't been something that had been in my mind, but that, that's something really interesting to noodle over. Um, if you like, if you and I were tasked with try to come up with something to persuade Simmons to play basketball in Philadelphia this season, I think we'd have to bring up, you know, things like small ball. And I think we'd have to talk about Paul Reed. Um, because if we said like, we want you to play 400 minutes with Drummond, <laughs> just like you did with uh, Dwight, I think we might lose him at, at the jump. Yeah. It, it, he would just know how clunky it has been in the past with, uh, with Dwight Howard. And I, I, why would he expect things to be differently to go to go witness fans? Yeah. It would be like, you know, of course we have a better player than Dwight now, but you're, he's going to be in the paint. His man's going to be in the paint. Your man's going to be, everyone's going to be in the paint. Yep. Um, all right. So we have, we have the solution to get Ben Simmons out the mud. We've ball theoretical. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The fully actualized Paul Reed will be the man that heals all the Ben Simmons wounds. Um, it's possible. Yeah. Stranger things have happened in the past week, which we will now talk about um, with Ben Simmons reporting unbeknownst to anyone to Philadelphia, just showing up at the arena as if he had just made a wrong turn and was a little late. He just, he walked up said, Hey man, I forgot my badge at home. Can you let me in? And no one knew about it. <laughs> Yo, Alan, you want to nasal swab me real quick? <laughs> yeah. uh, so he's gone, he's gone through the COVID-19 testing. He's eligible to practice with the team again this weekend. Um, Doc Rivers is currently unsure whether he'll be at practice on Sunday or not. Uh, it looks like we could be getting Ben Simmons in a Sixers uniform again, which if you had asked me this a m- month ago, I thought this was never going to happen. Um, and more important, like uh, more interestingly, I should say, even as as interesting as that all was, we had Ramona Shelburne's piece that dropped today. And Dave, you were the guy who was um, tasked and skilled enough to pull off the recap of basically everything that was contained in that Shelburne piece, which a lot of really juicy nuggets to kind of pick your teeth on, and some of some of them. I'll just, you know, off the top of my head, guys were unsure whether Ben Simmons made up the fact that he had contact with a masseuse prior to game seven, because he might not, he might want an easy way out of not having to play. Like those rumors were out there. Um, The fact that he says a major reason he wants to go somewhere else is because he didn't have a chance to grow his game because the Sixers were too good right away. That that was another thing that was intimated in the piece. Uh, I don't know, Dave, Dave. There was a lot of crazy stuff. What were the things that you found most interesting? What surprised you the most in, in reading in reading that report from Ramona? The, I mean, the one you brought up about players or people with the team. It said members of the team. I think it might have even said many members of the team suggested that he might have made up the masseuse. The way I had heard it was that um, there was a masseuse and 
I didn't hear anything about, you know, making up. So I think it was like, it's just bad. It's messy because you don't want the team going to the press with any of that. You want the whole thing behind closed doors because it's, it looks bad for everyone involved. Like if you were of the mind, you just ran that poll. I think 58% Sixers fans at Liberty Ballers said they want to see Ben play. Um, 42% said they don't. But even if you wanted him traded, it's possible that you would want him to play in that and later get traded. And that doesn't get easier with stories like this. So you, you feel for the Sixers. Like if you're talking to Portland about Damian Lillard, they're going to say, is it possible that this guy didn't want to play in game seven? So I think that's at least, you know, the type of rumor that could hang over a guy and add some stigma. Yeah, it's it's concerning. It's true. It's true. Yeah, of course. Like, but that's the fact that that speculation is even out there and it gets reported in a, you know, really well-researched and documented piece by a prominent journalist. Like, yeah. This isn't some She's blogger like She's making something pro. off the cuff. It's, you know, Ramona Shelburne, ESPN insider who has as many sources as anyone in the league like so it's about as credible as it gets and she co-writes with Woj all the time yeah so i mean this is the the fact that it was in the story means she believes they're not that it was true but enough people believe it might have been true that that she had to include it Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's it's it's concerning like and you, you hear stuff with like Ben's family situation and your heart goes out to him and you're like, Hey, I, I realize these guys are human beings too. And I want to, I, I want to, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt in a lot of cases. And, you know, it's, I, I have to imagine it's tough to compete in this highly stressful environment. If you have this, this personal family situation, that's really weighing on you, but you know, you hear stuff like that. And then you hear like, the, like the one I said earlier, where you really feel like because the Sixers were fighting for a playoff spot your first season or two that you you couldn't have tried to shoot threes and, and it, like you shooting 28% from three would have been so detrimental to the playoff hopes of this young team that you just ref, you just didn't do it but if you had been in Cleveland where they were expected to win 27 games that you you would have felt fine doing it and like your game would be completely different it, it just doesn't make sense to me like I, 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 the, the, the reasoning for, for why he wants out has continued to change. And for this to be the latest one of where he's landed, I, you know, I just, I don't know. I, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't. Well, to, to be fair to Simmons camp, it's possible that the reasons he wants out haven't changed, but the, but the stories we're hearing as they, you know, play for leverage have, you know, so it's, it's possible that this is truly what he told doc and what he told Daryl. And the biggest reason wasn't about post-game comments. It wasn't about uh, too much dunker spot. It was looking for fresh start. And part of that being maybe he feels like he got an unfair shake Um, because, you know, guys like Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, they had multiple years of lottery bound seasons were they weren't, you know, if you took one of those guys and he didn't make the second round of the playoffs, you wouldn't have concluded, well, his destiny then is the second round of the playoffs. Um, and we, a lot of fans have done that with Ben. He's not a third, he's not a final four type of guy because look at his history. 
but his history is different from someone like uh, Russell Westbrook's. So I think, you know, if you're, if you're a, def- a Ben defender, you could say there's a, a fair point there. Is that why you want to change teams? If that's true, then, you know, that's, that's his prerogative. I would just say that it's, uh, it's something that kind of happened with the process, you know, it, it expedited their road to contention in a way that a lot of other superstars first three, four years didn't have to deal with. I didn't know that it was like a big deal to Ben, but, but maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it could be, but <laughs> I, I, in this profession where there's, there's only 30 places you can play and the, the object, you know, ostensibly is, is to win a title. Like that's what everyone is striving for to, I don't, to, to say that a problem for you is that your team was too close to reaching that goal too quickly. I, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like that. It does. It just doesn't add up to me. I, I, I can't. I'll, I'll say, I'll say this. I don't think Ben would have even considered threatening to hold out if the Sixers advanced past Atlanta. So I think once he did, every reason we hear and every reason he's, he's had is magnified to the point it almost feels inevitable. You hear stories like, well, he never got along with Joel. Well, he always wanted his own team. He didn't like the role Doc had for him. And all those feel, you know, so final. And maybe we're brewing for a long time before that Hawk series. Even with all of that, I don't think he's insisting upon a trade if they make it even one game further. Yeah, I agree with you. If, if they make the Eastern Conference Finals, I think none of this ha- would take place. Um, but uh, they, did, they didn't reach the Eastern <laughs> Conference Finals. Um, so here we bet, are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people would feel a lot differently about a lot of things if, if things had gone differently against Atlanta. Um, all right, yes. Dave, uh, I, I know uh, we got to get going here, so I'll, I'll leave you with one final question here. Do you think Ben Simmons takes the court in a Sixers uniform on opening night Wednesday against the Pelicans? Or do you, and if you, if you don't, do you think he's on the court for the home opener against Brooklyn Friday night? And, and what do you think the reaction would be if he did? I think the safe answer here from a prediction standpoint is to say, no, he won't be in either because there is still a chance he holds out for a while, for a few weeks, even Um, just still trying to exert some leverage. So I'll say no, but uh, I don't think he's, if this would go through the trade deadline. So I would pick maybe like 10 games in eight games in that he's back. Um, If I were him, I would come in, in a road game. I'd probably come in, Wednesday feels early, doesn't it? Because he missed training camp. He missed preseason and you're watching preseason and it's like, he's just such a monster pivotal player. Like he completely changes the composition of this team, his size, his position, you know, they, they're like Joel Embiid and a bunch of kind of undersized wings, basically wings and guards without him. So I think I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling here. I guess I would say he's back sooner than we all thought originally. And it feels, it's crazy to say this because like you said, a month ago, two months ago, three months ago, it started to feel inevitable that he wouldn't be here to a lot of people. Uh, And now it's like, might he play Wednesday? (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> so the whole thing has just got me, got me so thrown. I'll, I'll say this. I really hope he's out there as soon as possible. I'd recommend he show up at a road game first just to knock off a little of the rust because the whole team will be rusty even with him out there. It'll be weird. It'll be awkward. Better do that uh, slowly. Yeah. Uh, so my, my – this isn't a prediction, but I, I, I guess just a possibility that's been kind of uh, banging around in my mind. So they could just go with the reconditioning thing for a few weeks, just say, hey, he wasn't in training camp didn't play at all in the preseason training camp and preseason, you know, it's about a three week period. So I, I feel like they could get away with that for about three weeks. Um, and maybe they want to stretch that one additional week because starting November 13th, the Sixers have a f- six game road trip. Mm. So they go Indiana, Utah, Denver, Portland, Sacramento, golden state starting on November mm. 13th. I like so, the way you think here. Could he make his debut in Indiana on November 13th and have six games to get back into the swing of things? Fans can get reacclimated to the idea of Ben Simmons being a sixer and he wouldn't make his home debut for two weeks until November 27th against Minnesota at home. Yeah, and then right around Thanksgiving, Embiid picks a fight with Towns to take the distraction off of Ben. <laughs> and and ben, ben can put him back in the sleeper hold, and, the, and everyone can talk about how they're friends, and, and Ben has Yeah, you back. know what? <laughs> Towns is about to beat up Joel, and Ben sleeper holds him, and then everyone, they stage it. They stage it. Yeah, the peacemaker returns, and everyone, yeah. is, everyone is back on Ben's side again. I, I think I we figured it out. Sixers PR. Yeah. I <laughs> it's uh we've, we've peeked behind the curtain and just like pro wrestling, we know this is all scripted and we've, we figured out exactly how this is going to go, go down. So, yeah. And then they would rack up two wins because of the wolves and then host magic. Yep. So there, there you go. Um, so we are all going to be very interested to see what actually does happen. Um, whether, whether Ben does make his, uh, his season debut next week, or if it's, it's farther down the roads, but just the fact that he's back with the team now and uh, presumably going to be practicing with them in the coming days, it's something I would not have expected. So we had um, a good two, three months of being the most interesting story in basketball until Kyrie <laughs> Irving's thing. Yeah. And uh, we were talking offline, how you also are a, uh, you cover the Brooklyn beat. So you, you have firsthand knowledge of, all the weirdest storylines in the NBA right now. So yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you're, you're looking forward to actual basketball, regular season basketball returning. So you can have at least some, something else on the side to think about when you're not thinking about Watch, watching the preseason. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my goodness, there is basketball here. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's a beautiful thing when uh, the 24 seven news cycle gets a brief reprieve and we actually get to watch the sport that everyone. Yeah covers look um, at look at Jaden springer's full court defense this kid is a hound on the ball <laughs> it's a yeah, we didn't even talk about their first round pick because we just assume right. he's going to be spending a lot of time with the blue coats and not in a rotation at all so yeah um well dave thank you so much for joining me this week um i i appreciate your insight on everything and uh i we talked about this online but i, I hope to have you periodically back on the pod um throughout the season yeah, I would love that. Thanks so much. It's an honor to be on this. I, I miss Dan O, your former co-host. Miss yep. listening to the two of you guys. So anytime I could uh, be of service and jump on, 
let me know. I'd be, uh, I'd be honored. All right. I appreciate that. And I'm sure we'll have you on in the future. And for all the listeners out there, um, I'll be back around Friday. I, I think it should be a Friday recording. That's, that's our, we're trying to stick to that schedule. So um, I'll talk to you then. We'll have uh, some, some regular season action to recap. So have a good weekend and uh, enjoy Let's the start. Go. Yeah. Enjoy nice. the start of the season. Let's go. Yeah.